I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Mike McCardle joins me again. The beloved television reporter and best-selling author recently published Haunting British Columbia, Ghostly Tales from the Past. In the book, Mike summons a ghost to tell stories of people and events that shape British Columbia. These are stories told in Mike's inimitable style, often thoughtful, sometimes moving, and illustrated with archival photos and doodles that add much to the stories told about people we ought to remember for good and sometimes bad. This past fall, Mike uh, suffered an episode of ill health. I'll ask him about what happened to his heart and how he recovered. Mike McArdle is the author of the best-selling essay collections Unlikely Love Stories, Here's Mike, Chasing the Story, God, Back Alley Reporter, Getting to the Bubble, The Expanded Riley Method, The Blue Flames That Keep Us Warm, Everything Works, None of This Was Planned, Shoelaces Are Hard, Haunting Vancouver and Cardboard Ocean, a memoir. He's uh, been on the podcast for a number of those books. In fact, this is his ninth appearance on the show. This new book, uh, as well as the others, is from Harbor Publishing. He appears nightly on uh, CTV Vancouver's News at Six broadcast with The Last Word. Please welcome back to the Plant Online program, Mike McArdle. Mr. McArdle, good morning. Hello. How are you, Joe? It's so good to hear your voice again. Nice to talk to you. Um, like a lot of people this past fall, we heard the news. Um, uh, uh, health situation in your life. I mean, I've, I've heard it described as a heart attack. Was it a heart attack that you No, had? it wasn't. No, I just saw the, uh, the main heart guy again. It was... Uh, way different than a heart attack. A heart attack is when you got that axle grease that goes through your, your arteries and clogs up your heart and, and does bad things. And, mm-hmm. and that, that can be all sorts of degrees. It can be like, uh, like, I just say it can be like, <laughs> kick me somewhere. It can be, uh, mild, uh, yeah. and, or it can be medium or it can kill you. Uh, I had a, uh, cardiac arrest, uh-huh. which is basically a hundred percent fatal. Yeah. It's, there's no warning for it. It's got nothing to do with uh, the inside of the heart. It's when the electricity, wherever the heck that stuff comes from, when it shuts off or it goes haywire and uh, the heart goes out of rhythm and then stops suddenly. No warning. Yeah. And um, uh, so I've read about it, and it, uh, unless you get care within the first handful of minutes, it's 90% fatal. And even in the hospital, it's 90% fatal. So I was lucky, just plain old dumb lucky. Yeah, that is, when, we saw, when we saw you back on the air in October, you said that um, uh, someone had told you that they didn't expect you to, to see you alive no. again, right? Yeah, there's two doctors. There's two doctors, the heart, well, the ER doctor and the, uh, and the heart doctor, Graham Wong, uh-huh. at, uh, uh, at VGH, uh, uh, told me that, you know, just to uh, uh, repeat the, the story, but my wife and I go into his office after I get out of the hospital, and and he leans over the desk, and he says, I never expected to see you again. Mm. You were dead. You were gone. There was nothing we could do for you. And then he called the uh, emergency doctor, whose name is, I'll think of it in a second, um, uh, at, at, uh, at UBC where, where it happened. Uh-huh. Uh, and he said, you, you, you know, you won't believe who I have in front of me. And I could hear the uh, voice on the other end of the phone saying, just, uh, you know, just, I don't believe it. Yeah. You know, because uh, my wife, who was there through the whole thing, uh, while I was uh, getting pounded on, uh, heard them each say uh, that uh, he's gone. There's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. And then they, uh, uh, after an hour, they uh, 
they told her just to, she can talk to me, but that meant, uh, I guess it meant, you know, say, say bye-bye. Right, right. Uh, um, and then uh, for absolutely no reason that they know, it started up again. It went to blip. Yeah, <laughs> One <yeah>. little blip. <laughs> so they went back and pounded some more and um, and uh, got it going and put me in a deep freezer for uh, uh, two or three days. And, um, and I came back. Yeah. So, hello again. Indeed, indeed. So, an experience like this, Mike, changes one's life, obviously, or, or at least one's perspective on life. How did it change yours? Well, everybody, it really hasn't. I just know how darn lucky I am. And, uh, uh, well, there's, I've always felt good about things. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, change my life, um, you know, I, uh, I not only make a living, but I make a, a life out of uh, trying to uh, look for good things, funny things, mm-hmm. weird things, the stuff I do stories about. And, uh, um, and I just think, you know, I'll, I'll do more of that. I'll think more about people. Uh, 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 but, uh, but for me, uh, uh, for the time I wasn't here, I wasn't here. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I woke up with that awful breathing tube uh, that all the, the virus people get, uh, you know, down right. the throat. And uh-huh. I woke up thinking somebody's trying to kill me because yeah. right. that thing is just terrible. And, um, uh, I, and I can't say it's made me, uh, it's made me uh, deeper because, uh, uh, I'm about as deep as I can get. Indeed. For myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it may not be really deep, but, uh, I like my, uh, existence. I like my life. And, uh, and, um, so has it made me better? Yes, it's made me better. Yeah. Yes, I'll be more intelligent. I'll do the dishes more often. <laughs> I do them anyway. Yeah. Well, we see you every night on the news on, on, at 6 p.m. On, on CTV. Oh, thank you. And, and you look good. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you appear on camera. You, 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 I mean, you look, I don't know if people tell you this, but you look better now than you did before. <laughs> well, I wasn't, for a while I wasn't getting much sleep before, and mm. now... Uh, uh, okay, so as my life changing, I get more sleep. And boy, oh boy, if uh, you want the uh, the miracle cure for everything, yeah. it's that. Yeah. I, I, I used to uh, get very little sleep because that's the way my life was turning out. Uh-huh. Now I get as much as I possibly can, and uh, I hear that I look better. So, wow, it's uh, cheaper than drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of history in this book, Haunting British Columbia. And, um, you know... The, you do this in your TV work as well. You tell us these stories in such an engaging way, um, and especially in the books, um, your voice can be heard through each line. Why is it important for you, Mike, to, to for, for people to know, say, the people that used to live in this city or the people that built well, the city? I, I, I came here a long time ago in the early 70s and fell in love. Well, fell in love with I, I it was just different than New York, obviously. It mm-hmm. was different than the, uh, than the chaos and the uh, uh, decay that New York was going through then. It was uh, suffering uh, from uh, uh, an attack of uh, crack, uh-huh. uh, which was destroying everything, one block, one house, one apartment house after another. And uh, there was, uh, I've written about this, I've told stories about it. There yeah. were shootings every night, and that's about all I did. I did stories on uh, death and disaster. And uh, I came here, and uh, there was no death and disaster. 
Uh, not then. There was one cop who carried chocolate bars in his uh, holster to give out to kids. Uh, and uh, it was nice, but I still, uh, I, uh, I don't know where I'm going. Oh, yeah, I just uh, really like Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, how uh, in such a short time, uh, like a hundred years ago, there was a forest everywhere. You are. It was a forest. Mm. Where I am, there was a forest. And that's not very long ago. That's uh, that's four four generations maybe. Yeah. And uh, th- this forest was uh, the biggest things that had ever lived on uh, on the earth. And I know we cut them all down, which was bad because you wish they were still here. But if we didn't cut them down, this place would not be here. So uh, it's one of those yin and yang uh, kind of things in life. Yes. Yes. Sure. Yes, you win. No, you lose. Yeah. Okay. No, you lose. Yes, you win. And. Um, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see how quickly the city grew from a forest to uh, a really uh, cosmopolitan, uh, there's a fancy word, a really uh, <laughs> big, uh, big, uh, busy city. Um, and every street uh, has got a story to it, every street in the, in the city, every, uh, every building, only every house. Yeah. has got uh, stories to it. Well, the old houses. Yeah. Uh, I can't say that about the condos, no. No, they don't have stories yet. Indeed. But, go ahead. But it, so it, it, it says something, because people love your books, and they, they love these books, especially about history, um, that one wonders if, if um, history is, uh, one, either being taught far less than it should be in schools, or perhaps taught incorrectly. Well... I haven't. I don't know the answer to that. I just know that uh, basically everyone I know who's uh, uh, everyone I know doesn't know about the the stories uh, that I'm telling them, or even without the stories, uh, they don't know about uh, False Creek being mm. uh, going uh, being gigantic. Uh, um, they don't know about uh, New Westminster being the the uh, uh, the capital. They don't know the uh, the fascinating stories of uh, some of those uh, fellows and women who uh, who did stuff that was beyond belief and beyond imagination and uh, and and that sort of good they don't know and uh, and I'm surprised and shocked at it yeah and then, and then when history is dark and unpleasant as it is it has been throughout you know our time um, you, you don't shy away from that either in telling those stories well, as well right? always I mean the story of people and people are uh, uh, are both uh, saints and and devils. You know, yeah. every person, every part of history, everybody, every uh, everything that happens is uh, got a lot of bad to it, and it's got a lot of good to it. Which uh, uh, is the weird thing about uh, life. It's not. Uh, it's not all good. It's not all bad. Although sometimes it looks very much all bad, and then. Then something good comes along and fixes it, and you yeah. say, "Wow, that is wonderful." Yeah. Uh, and then we go back to being bad again. The the other thing I love about um, your your recent books, especially this one, is um, your inclusion of the drawings. Um, <laughs> now, yeah, you'd probably admit that you're not a great drawer. Oh but... no, 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 no! I mean, there is nothing simpler and and worse than uh, the stick figures. <laughs> the same one and. The poor publisher, Howard Wright, the first time I sent him, he said, they all look the same. Well, let's do it. doesn't matter who, could you put a whisker on somebody? You know? 
And, but, uh, but I just love them because that's how we all draw. The, the major, not all of us are Rayside that we can uh, draw like he does. But but uh, that's how we all draw, and I just find it, it it adds so much to the story that's next to it in the book. Yeah, thank you. I did that on television. The first time I did it on television, somebody threatened to fire me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the second time, they still threatened to fire me. <laughs> but I I've done it a half. I've done it. Yeah. More. Often. Yeah. Uh, do you um um you you do you work because um, it seems like we see you every day on the news. So how often do you do you appear on the on the CTV news at six? Five days a week. Five days a week. Four yeah. days are uh, stories that I find on the street, and the fifth day is uh, a history story. Yeah, and um, it um, what is it like on the street nowadays, especially the last couple of years? Um, have you found that that uh, we as a city have have changed a great deal because of the pandemic. Oh yeah, well before that, uh, it's been uh, an evolution. Uh, there's another fancy one. It's been a change from uh, maybe 20 years ago. The streets were, had a lot of people on them, especially mm-hmm. they had a lot of people on them. And uh, days go by, weeks, months, years go by. There's less and less people on the street. There certainly is less kids. So much less kids. Uh, uh, I can't. Uh, I don't remember when the last time I saw a street hockey game uh, played. And, and as soon as I say that, somebody will uh, write in and call in and say, "Hey, no, no, my kids play street hockey all the time. You know, yeah. you should see them." Uh, but I don't see them. Um, it used to be common at three o'clock. Uh, the mm-hmm. streets were filled with that, or or roller skating, or hop scotching, and um, it's very rare. It's uh, the 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 computer, the games, the uh, internet have uh, kept people inside, and uh, uh, well, there and the uh, the virus, you know, that did the same thing. Yeah, even more. Yeah, but we see you now with you. You're you're holding the mic at a distance, and, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's a, the rule. But it's a good rule. Yeah. I you know put it on the end of a long pole, and, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> the first time that started happening. Um, I was I was officially six feet away from people, and they got a mask on, and it's outside and it's a little bit noisy, and I can't hear what they're saying, and I can't see their their faces right. to figure out what they're saying, and there was a whole lot of, excuse me, what did you say? If you say that again, just yeah, do you mean up or down? <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, uh, but uh, I've snuck a little closer now, so I can hear. Yeah, yeah. Well, where, where did you grow up in New York? Uh, both Brooklyn and Queens. I see. I went back and forth. I was born in Queens, moved to Brooklyn when I was one week old. Uh, stayed there till my uh, uh, my mother snuck out of the house when I was eight years old. Left my uh, uh, rather intoxicated father behind and um, uh, moved to in with an aunt in Queens. Uh, right under the uh, Jamaica Avenue L, which doesn't exist anymore, yeah. uh, and uh, stayed there until we got married and moved back to Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, and then it, was your first job in journalism, was that at the Daily News? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't really good in school. Uh, in fact, I was very bad in school. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't even diagnosed as uh, totally dyslexic until I was 70 years old. 
Really? Oh, that's the reason. I wasn't really stupid. No, mm-hmm. you aren't stupid. You just couldn't read. And uh, because uh, I really couldn't, I can read one word, then another word. But every other time I look at some words, uh, I'm reading something that's not there. I, I see uh, the word uh, mechanic, and it says Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, how can the Massachusetts fix the car? Um, so uh, I wound up in... Uh, uh, in the, uh, well, I don't know if you remember the uh, series Welcome Back, Cotter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah but that was a, that was an actual official New York City uh, high school class. Not that one, but yeah. it was in every single school. And if you were really, really smart, uh, you were in the 12th grade, grade 12. You were in 12-1, and a little less, 12-2. You were still going to college. And if you got down to 12-6, you were going to work in a factory. Then it jumped up to... Uh, 12-13, that you were just a loser. You kept, they had a big teacher who kept you in in all day. His duty was to say, shut up. And uh, when graduation time came, uh, uh, he said, sit down, you're not going anywhere. Uh, the next six months later, in the middle of February, uh, he came in one day and said, okay, you're finished. High school's over, go. <laughs> yeah. It was cold, but but uh, what he but uh, I, it probably happened a lot of times. But I I remember uh, mostly the uh, the times that this uh, teacher would because uh, uh, all he did all day was read newspapers. He he'd bring in the New York Times on the outside, but inside mm. the New York Times he could sneak it in without the other teachers seeing. There would be the the Daily News and the and the Daily Mirror, and they they were written on a. Uh, they said a sixth grade level, but probably it was lower. All the stories were about crime, uh, sex, and corruption. And uh, the stories, the longest story was uh, six sentences long. Uh, simple, but really good headlines, and lots and lots and lots of pictures. Yeah. And I, uh, I would get some of those newspapers and start reading about uh, the criminals. And uh, they sounded fascinating, because that's what they were supposed to sound like. Yeah. Even if it took me half a day to read those six sentences, I thought, wow, this is so cool. I want to I wanna meet these people. So uh, after I got out of uh, school that day, uh, after my mother got home from work, she brought a, a six-pack of beer and two ham sandwiches to celebrate. She said, what are you going to do now? I said, I want to go to a newspaper. Well, then, go to a newspaper. All right, yeah. there's a brilliant thing. I got on the subway, got off at Times Square, and... Uh, that's where the New York Times was, and it's the only stop I knew. So uh-huh. uh, they offered me a job as an outdoor messenger, but it was bitterly cold. <laughs> I walked across uh, across Manhattan to I saw the Daily News just by accident, a total fluke. I didn't know it was there, uh-huh. and uh, I walked in. And they offered me a job as an indoor messenger. <laughs> <laughs> I stayed there for 15 years. Really? I went from the mail room to uh, the city room, the newsroom, where I was a copy boy for. Uh, for quite a while, and that was the only way then. There was no journalism school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just were a copy boy. You went out with um, with mostly photographers to carry film back and uh, with reporters to find out the things that they uh, were too busy to find out. And um, I, uh, I and also getting beer, that was a major thing. Uh, you'd have to go in the middle of the night to get beer for the for the reporters and writers, because everybody drank, yeah, and they literally did all drank and smoked all day and all night. Um, and uh, when you be- 
became the the uh, top copy boy, then uh, you be, could become the bottom reporter. Yeah. Or, but I looked at all that that equipment and uh, for taking pictures. I thought, no, <laughs> that's too much. So I'll be a reporter. Yeah, and and, uh, and this is the time when when uh, the Post, the Daily News. Um, the circulation was in the millions, wasn't it? Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. million and a half copies every day of the Daily News sold on the street with no home delivery. Wow. On Sundays, it was two and a half million. Now, this is before television news. Yeah. And uh, on Sundays, they put Dick Tracy on the, on the front because they weren't going to fool around with trying to inform people about anything. <laughs> uh, and uh, I... Uh, um, Started out by writing tiny, tiny stories, uh, uh, cars into fire hydrants and things like that, and floodings, which I got no credit for. But in, uh, and I shouldn't because I was just learning. Uh, but um, uh, eventually, I got into uh, a crime, like everybody, and uh, I uh, did pretty. Uh, I was uh, did pretty well in crime, but I didn't have to write anything. Mm-hmm. I would just be out on the street and see uh, see the local the murder of the of of that hour, yeah, and um, call it in, and uh, somebody else would uh, write, and uh, they would these were brilliant writers, and they would write very quickly. Uh, it would be um, uh, I would see somebody uh, be at, literally at the at the shooting of a mafioso guy mm-hmm. in, in Little Italy. And uh, um, this is days when uh, I could walk up to the body. I'd say hello to the cops. They would know me, and uh, I'd count the bullet holes, uh, get the name, or I'd know the name of the of the dead guy and call it in. And, and the writer, who was always older than me, he would say, are you sure there's five bullet holes? I know there's five. We'll go back and count them again because we've got to be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would count them again and say, yes, it's five. I hope, I hope. And and so uh, the Daily News was that where Breslin, uh, Jimmy Breslin, was? Oh yeah, yeah, he worked for a while, but that was after I left. I see. And so it's guys like that. I mean, in haunting British Columbia, you write about Jack Wasserman and Jack Webster. Yeah. Um, I guess big cities or or cities like Vancouver, if you will, they have guys like that everywhere, don't they? Oh yeah, of course. And and so when you talk about BC and you talk about Jack Wasserman and Jack Webster, why, why do you think it's important that we know these people? Well, they were the. It's like not knowing the spices that uh, that go into making the daily life that created the city. If you don't know about uh, Wasserman, you don't know that there were nightclubs mm-hmm. on Hornby, and uh, and if you don't know that, then you don't know just incredible stories. So you're just you're wasting your own time watching television. Shouldn't do that. Shouldn't watch television. <laughs> Just to learn about the uh, about the cave, learn about the penthouse, which has got more stories than uh, you, you, you just learn about them and you say, "My God, that really happened there!" Wow. Uh, I spent a lot of time with uh, Joe Filippone. Mm-hmm. We would have coffee together, and uh, um, you know, just the stories that he told me were uh, you, you can't forget them, you, and you don't want to forget them. And every time I walk uh, past there, I think about it. Think, wow. That was cool, you know, or scary, yeah. or terrible. It doesn't matter which it is, because it's good and bad, like you said earlier. You know, it's just uh, uh, the stories 
of the city, uh, this city, prob- uh, possibly, I don't know, I can't compare it to other cities. Uh, this city has got such great, great stories, great history. There's a, there's a word that probably does disservice. There's just gr- amazing people uh, who, who lived here and uh, did things. It's, it's, close your eyes. Yeah. If I think about you, and I do after I watch you on TV every night, um, I think about the Peony, and I think about yeah. Remembrance Day. Um, mm-hmm. These are things that show up in, in haunting British Columbia as well. Um, you, you wrote about the Challenger map um, in, in yeah. the book, and this I didn't go to the Peony this year, but uh, apparently they had part of it on display. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, why, do you, why do you think it is that they can't find a permanent home for this thing? Oh, uh, I think they have now. Well. Okay, I don't know the answer. I uh, there was it takes a giant place. Yeah, uh, if, I'm sure you saw it originally. Yeah, years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and it's big. I mean, it's it's big is not uh, doesn't come close to how big it is. It's big, and uh, we're going to put something like that, and uh, it's going to cost a whole lot to put it wherever it is, and who's going to pay for putting it there? Uh, but I think as the uh, PNE has decided that. Uh, they will put it in one of the barns, and uh, <clears throat> and because well the the exhibits have shrunk a great deal. They, mm-hmm. you know, they don't have a hundred cows anymore; they got two, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it would bring back uh, a lot of people because it's a phenomenal, phenomenal piece of work. Yeah, uh, yeah. just uh, uh, there. There's the answer. Yeah. I don't know why they haven't found a place because nobody would pay for it, and now I think they have found a place because uh, the PNE is well, it's not going to cost them anything. Yeah. So the other thing about Remembrance Day, and this is something I've always admired about you, is that you've always taken the time, whether it's in in books like Haunting British Columbia or in your television work, to talk about it because we need to remember. Um, I'm sure you get just as much mail sometimes saying why bother talking about that you're 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 uh, talking about war and and maybe we we don't want to hear about war um what do you tell those people you got to have you don't want to talk about war war happens yeah and uh, bad things happen then good things happen that's the story that's since uh, adam and eve uh since genesis uh it just always there's always war is because people are pretty stupid, and and uh, because people are stupid, they they hurt each other, and then they have wars, and then somebody comes along and uh, ends the war and fixes things for a while, which is what the story of humankind is. Uh, and uh, but the the people who have gone to gone to war, uh, they uh, they deserve more than just uh, they deserve. Everything, mm-hmm. because what, they didn't want to go to war. They yeah. didn't want to be in a trench or a foxhole. They didn't want to get shot at, and they didn't want to get uh, killed. But again, from once they're dead, they're okay. They're they're either in heaven or they don't exist. But if they get their arms blown off, or if they get blinded, or if uh, uh, have been uh, crippled, they certainly didn't ask for that and didn't want that, and they should be at least given uh, the dignity of remembering them and and saying thank you to them. 
Yeah. yeah. You're somebody who I'm sure, wherever you go in this town, Metro Vancouver, uh, people recognize you. What's that like? say it's it's humbling uh i used to try to avoid it i used to somebody would say something to me and uh and i go i don't 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 <laughs> one, one cameraman said you stupid schmuck they're just being nice you know they've gone out of their way to say hello to you so you darn well better say hello back since then that i said oh you yeah, know of course you're right so I try to be as uh, polite and hum- I try. I'm polite. I try to be as humble as I can be and say thank you very much. And uh, I really appreciate you uh, you watching or reading or uh, or saying hello. And that uh, I know it makes them feel good. And uh, honestly, it makes me feel good. Uh, uh, that's it. That's the bottom line. I've uh, I turned forty next month, and uh, I can't think of a time when you weren't on television. I was doing it before you were born there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and certainly before you you were born when counting New York. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember you came to my class at Charles Dickens uh, Elementary. It would have been 94 or 95. I remember, you know, I grew up watching you, so this was fun seeing you do your work there. And oh, well. then over the years interviewing you for various books that you've written. Yeah. Um, and you you came to the house one time to do it in person, which which yeah. um, which was a great thrill for me to to, to meet you and get to know oh, you. Oh, it was a thrill well. for me. It's an honor to be interviewed by you. Oh well, you're very kind. <laughs> you're more famous than uh, <laughs> anyone else I know. <laughs> well, well, that's that's a stretch, Mike. <laughs> okay. But but you've always been um, you're someone who I just uh, you know I. Be, and I'm not. It's not just me. It's, it's hundreds of thousands of people every night who see you on TV, and over the years, you know, millions now who um, you just bring a smile to people's faces. And and I hope you know that. And and when when you had this thing this past fall, this this episode, people were rooting for you. I, I certainly was. Well, thank you very much, and thank you to everyone who you're talking about. And every day, uh, I kind of know there's people out there, and I don't want to disappoint them. So every day, you know, I start with nothing. Zero, no idea where where to go, what to do, and uh, just uh, uh, either during the uh, during the virus, taking mm-hmm. a walk, or uh, when it's over, uh, riding and uh, with a camera person, and just looking and looking for something that looks a little bit odd. Doesn't have to be greatly odd. Mm-hmm. Just like somebody planting a flower, that's uh, or sweeping a sidewalk and. And get out and talk to them and see if there is something about them and and uh, if there isn't that I can't find. I'm sure there is something about them. There's something about everybody, but sometimes I I just can't find it. So uh, I fail. I get back in the the truck and and um, go on to the next one. Next one and half an hour goes by. An hour, hour and a half, two hours. Sometimes three hours goes by and. Uh, then around the next corner, there's somebody. Yeah. There's somebody sawing a piece of wood, and they're going to build. They're building the what? An ark, because it's raining a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. And so we do that, and uh, uh, it happens every day. It, I, you don't have. I mean, I'm sure people come up to you or people write you and say, "Hey, I know this this thing that happens here all the time," or "I know this person." I think they'd be a great thing to do a story on i mean do you, do you keep a file like that or no 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 i get lots of that and it's really sad because 
almost every time somebody tells me about somebody, it's because that somebody is really neat, really cool, but it's only they're they're neat and cool in somebody else's eyes. Mm. They're the most mm. wonderful grandmother, yeah. friend, uh, kid, uh, crossing guard in the world. But but there is no story that I can find that goes with it. And once I go up there and I start talking to them, and they're thinking they're going to be on television because they're there. I am with a camera guy, and I'm, I can't. Yeah. I, you know, they're, they're, you're really a nice nice person. But there's that seeming, you know, that little quirky, oddball, uplifting something or other different that uh, makes a story, which has a, you know, something happened in your life or your uh, that you overcame, you saw, you found something, you met somebody, uh, you did something, something happened to you. It's uh, it's endless the things that can happen, but it, every story needs to make it a story something in it that has happened and that crossing guard is just simply a nice person yeah yeah uh, so i don't uh, i don't uh, i just find them and so that would apply to to say direction from the, the management at the station oh I mean, they never do it yeah. no 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 uh they're i've never had a uh, nobody has ever told me told me to do anything and uh, very few have ever asked me to to do something, and the same thing has happened. It just didn't work. Yeah, the story just doesn't work. And and um, if if something works one night, d- does that compel you to do something similar next week or the week after? Oh no, no, that that on me says, oh, I can't do that again. Can't yeah. go to that area. Can't go to that park or that that uh, that that corner because people will say, oh, you you bum, you just you're just copying <laughs> yourself. You're not doing anything original. I saw that two weeks ago, and you did the same kind of thing, you know. Well, I I hope it uh, continues for as long as you want it to continue, because you add something every night, you know, because the news pretty much the last couple of years hasn't been all that great. And so when we see you, it's um, a comfort, even if it's a sad story or something sentimental or or something uh, uh, dark. Um, mm-hmm. It's still worth watching, and, and um, so again, yeah, long may it continue. Thanks for your time today, You're Mike. Very nice kind. to chat. Thank you, Joe. Catch Mike uh, every night on uh, CTV Vancouver's News at six uh, with the last word. They also air that throughout the day, whether it's the, the morning show or the noon show. Um, this new book is called "Haunting British Columbia: Ghostly Tales from the Past." It's uh, from Harbor Publishing. Mike McCardle joined me on the line from here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planto.